What's going on, everyone? Uh, we have a great show today that we just finished recording, but moments after we got off the mic, the news about Jacob deGrom comes out, and um, I'm here by my lonesome before regular programming just because I wanted to give some thoughts on it. You know, it wouldn't have been a, a complete show without addressing the deGrom choice. Um, listen, watching deGrom pitch for the Mets was magical. There really, there aren't too many guys in baseball history that you really circle your calendar and make sure you watch him pitch each and every time he took the bump. And uh, that's exactly who Jacob deGrom was. I mean, a rookie of the year, a back-to-back Cy Young winner, and really for a period of time, the undisputed best pitcher in baseball. But I don't think you should feel all that upset today. I really don't. And I'll tell you why. So, Jacob deGrom signs with the Texas Rangers, or Baseball Purgatory, as I like to say, for the tune of five years, $185 million. And listen, good for him. You shouldn't be upset about this, because this isn't like years past when the Mets lose a player like this, and you were able to point the finger at the Mets. And I've been telling you guys for months, and no one wanted to listen, and that's fine. He was never coming back. Period. The end. He didn't want to be here any longer, and I I think we should all feel okay about that. Listen, five years for a pitcher turning 35 this season is always a gamble, right? Locking someone up until the age of 40. But regardless of what we've seen from guys like Verlander and Scherzer, right? And on top of that just inherent risk, DeGrom has had undeniable trouble staying on the field. There's no debate there. So in what world do we feel... It would have made sense to allocate that sort of a contract to a player like DeGrom right now. And I really, I don't want anyone to hit me with the, oh, well, it's not your money. Why do you care? Stop it. The money comes to an end somewhere, right? Uh, And yesterday I saw Passon reported that throughout the entire industry, everyone was shell-shocked that Texas would offer DeGrom that. Uh, So you, you can't feel too bad about it, right? And that being said, I would guarantee you that the Mets would have at least matched it. Um, They probably would have beaten it uh, because it's different when it's your guy, right? There's no question in my mind that the Mets would have matched that offer to retain DeGrom. But you know what? They never even had the chance to because DeGrom didn't even ask the Mets for a final offer. The Mets were completely shut out there. So, like I said, he was never coming back. He didn't want to be here. Doesn't that take the sting out of this just a little bit? And listen, everyone loved him. I get it. I really, I truly do understand the emotional side of this. But listen, the Mets are going to be just fine. I I think you look at this and you play the odds game with it. The odds are that the Mets dodged a bullet here. And you're going to look back and say, I'm glad that he's Texas's problem now. That's just, you would have to assume that that's how it winds up shaking out. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not next year. But eventually, right? And I mean, isn't it nice that he's going to perhaps the most irrelevant franchise in baseball like you don't have to worry about him playing for Atlanta or for Philadelphia for that matter and now that he's gone all that said I mean don't you feel much better about a two-year deal for a Verlander or maybe you bring in a 29-year-old Carlos Radon rather than this monster contract DeGrom is getting it with all the risk I I just don't feel like this is the end of the world sorry Uh, Listen, I wish Jacob DeGrom well. It really was a pleasure to watch him pitch. 
but I'm ready to move on, and I think you should be too. But yeah, I just wanted to hit on that real quick before the show, because like I said, it, it wouldn't have been a, a complete show without it. Uh, but we have a good one, so enjoy. December weekend, as always, Matt and Sam with you here today. We're going to go around the league, got some, definitely have some Aaron Judge stuff to talk about, a little bit of Jets, a little bit of Giants, and as always, on our weekend episode, everyone's favorite, Fraud or Applaud, we'll have that a little bit later. A little bit of a switch up today, we're going to have Bobby, our Jet guy, for most of the show, obviously outside, he'll he'll do his normal Jet duties, no one, no one tune out yet. But he's going to help us through some of the MLB talks, some of the news heating up before the winter meetings, do as well as help us out with some Giants, and again, his normal jet spot. So I'll kick it to Bobby first. Bobby, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday afternoon? I'm doing a lot better, Sam, than uh, one Mr. Kanye West, and maybe not as good as one Aaron Judge is going to be doing uh, in a couple days, but it's great to be back. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and Aaron Judge definitely in a good spot. Uh, Kanye West, not the best spot. Matt, we know you're a fan of Kanye West. Do you have any remarks you'd like to make today? Okay. Don't even, no don't joke. even say that as a Definitely joke. Definitely not a joke. The Yankees offer to Wait Aaron out. Judge, reportedly, I believe Jeff Passan reported it, um, among many others. Yankees offered eight years in, quote-unquote, a ballpark of around $300 million, which, Matt, if I'm Aaron Judge, right, and I've gambled this whole year on myself, and now the Yankees have almost doubled their offer they had offered you previous. How should Aaron Judge feel with this offer on the table? Well, I mean, you should feel good about it. It's, it's definitely a, it's more than a fair offer. Um, do I think that this is what he signs for? No, because why would he, right? And I do think San Francisco probably goes a little higher than that. And then the Yankees are going to have to counter that. I think this is just, this is just the first offer. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to hear more offers down the road. I, I'm not sure what I think he winds up signing for, but uh, I think this is just the first step in the process. So you guys both both Met fans, Bobby and Matt, I'm the Yankee fan here. If you're the Mets, and, like, I've, I've mentioned this, right, where I've just seen them as a dark horse, and you have Steve Cohen, like, I feel like seeing the judge is only being offered 300, and, and I guess you could say it's for the Giants owners as well, but as Met fans – I almost feel like if I have Steve Cohen, I'm I'm beating that, or I, I've been brought here to beat something like that. Yeah, um, but it, it's just you know all we've heard is that the Mets just aren't going to go that route. So I mean I'm not going to fantasize about it. Um, it it just re- it really feels like this is just going to be a Yankee Giant kind of thing, and and it very well has shaped up to be like that thus far. For the Mets side of things, and on the last show, Matt, you said that the stove was very cold. I guess some news that we had gotten was that uh, I believe something came out to the extent that like rival executives believe that the longer Nimmo doesn't sign with the Mets, the less likely it is that he will, um, which could be very obvious. But, Bobby, I'll kick it to you. As Who's replacing Nimmo on the Mets? 
Or is there who is in the open market is replacing Brandon Nimmo? Honestly, they don't have the answer in house, so um, I don't know. Time will tell. Really, don't know. Yeah, they, they don't. They, they don't. They don't. They don't have the answer in house. They really haven't had a true center fielder, and I guess you could say Nimmo is one at this point. But they really haven't had a true center fielder since what? Carlos Beltran. Yeah. That'd be fair. Yeah, and, and it's it's something to be said about, um, you know, being able to have an owner like Steve Cohen, whereas in the past, I feel like if I'm a Met fan, like I'm going into the offseason with holes, and then I'm curious about how my ownership will handle, I guess, spending to fill these holes. But now as Met fans, and again, tell me if I'm out of turn, but I feel like if you lose Nimmo, you kind of have confidence that the front office will fill that position and not try and nickel and dime the fans. Yeah, I haven't really gotten a, a good look at the center field market uh, to this point. But, no, I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like everyone's kind of said that after retaining Diaz. I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that Nimmo's a higher priority than Jacob deGrom. So, you know, I mean, they, they're going to come up with someone. But I'm I'm, I'm surprised that the, uh, the level of, like, I'm surprised that so many teams are coveting Brandon Nimmo reportedly. Yeah, it's it's, he, it's he's not. He's definitely he's good, a nice but, player. Yeah, he's an exactly. He's a nice player. Like he's a. But is he going to be worth? You know, would it be crazy for him to get you know close to twenty five million a year, if not more? I don't think so. No, no. He's probably going to sign for around that. Yeah, yeah. So he he's that caliber of a player. But to I mean, would you when you're a Met fan, would you get to a point where like you just rather trot out Jeff McNeil in the outfield every day? I know he's not a center fielder, but Maybe you slide Marte over to center, put McNeil in the outfield as like a permanent guy, like kind of like how uh, I'll kind of tie the two situations together here, how Dodgers fans want Aaron Judge and they want to move Mookie Betts to second base, kind of the reverse of what I'm proposing for the the Mets. So, I, I mean, I guess as Mets fans, my question is, uh, if you don't get the Grom and you lose Nimmo, there's a lot of space to be covered there. Uh, like really money-wise, talent-wise, production-wise, obviously – what say you guys? Well, I just I don't know that um that Marte is is still uh, I I don't know that he could still play center field, and I think that that was pretty evident, being that he didn't go out there one time last season. So, like like we said, the answer is not in house. So if they lose Nimmo, they're gonna have to bring in a center fielder, much like the Yankees did halfway through last season. Well, I think there's one thing that we can definitely kind of say for both teams is that there's still a lot of questions to be answered and. The winter meetings, I believe, will happen on, what is it, Thursday they begin? Um, sometime this week. But So we'll definitely be on top of all the news there. Stay tuned for that. Just wanted to get all the quick baseball out of the way. Before we segue over to the NFL and our two locals this week, we're going to start with the Giants, but the Jets and the Giants. So we were just listening to some, I, I mean, I was just listening to, but some talking radio was who gets the big screen? You know, do you give the Giants against the Commanders in the division, or do you give the Jets, led by Mike White, and that storyline against the, what are they, 8-2 and two Vikings? Who gets the big screen? We're going to give the big screen first to the Giants. I think the right answer is that they're a divisional, divisional team, divisional matchup, um, and this is a game, if you're a Giant fan, that, you know, when you're looking at the schedule – this is the game that you mark down as a win, at least one of these Commanders games. And in this spot here, you can't. it's going to be tough to get up from a loss here if you're the Giants. I have trouble thinking that they're going to beat them twice. But um, 
I mean, that that just goes back to the issue we talk about all the time, by the way, in terms of who gets the, the screen time. How are they both on at 1 o'clock again? Yeah, and the Jets really are bad. in Minnesota. How is that not a 4 o'clock game? Yeah. I, I get go the Giants. Way, like, going forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the schedule makers just assumed they were going to be bad, as they rightfully should have, you know, yeah. given the track record. But, you know, you see the Giants at 7 – Giants and Jets both at 7-4. and four. I mean, even – would it be crazy to move the Giants back to 430? Would that be the craziest thing in the world? I don't know if you guys saw, but next week's Jet game against the Bills, actually, they tried to flex that to the Sunday night spot, but CBS actually blocked it. They used their block. Oh, I didn't see that. Love that for yeah. CBS. Um, mm-hmm. So let's get into this Giant game. The spread is the Giants are home and they're plus two, which is, at first glance, a little suspicious, but if you look at the way these teams are playing, uh, I think the Commanders are the hotter team right now. That You can make no, an argument that if they – I think they lost – would they have one Viking loss, I believe, or else they'd have like yep. seven wins in a row? Uh, yeah, when did they start off one and four? Yeah, yeah. and they were they were an afterthought, and it's like they're they were the reverse of the Giants. But um, I mean, both these teams are getting a little healthier. I think Taylor Heineke definitely gives the Commanders a better chance to win than Carson Wentz was in the earlier half of the year. Um, um, was there any was there any update on Chase Young for the Commanders? Did you guys see anything if he was going to play? Or I know he was questionable last week and ended up not playing. Did you guys? See I did any not reports? see any update. No, I'm not sure. I think he's still listed as questionable. I'm looking right now. Um, yeah, questionable. Uh, Antonio Gibson also questionable. But for the Giants, they for the first time Daniel Bellinger questionable, who had that really strange eye socket injury where he everyone thought he got his eye poked out of his head, but he looked like he was a weapon. Giants are definitely getting a little healthier now, but I think this is a game where obviously it's not going to be a quarterback matchup. This is not a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers game. This is a game that I think is going to be ugly, right? I if I'm I haven't even looked at the number for the over under, but I'm just going to go out and say I kind of like the under. I think this is going can to you, be Can you can you guess it? I want to see how close you come. Um Giants home haven't been putting up too many points. Commanders <laughs> been playing well. I'm going to guess it's like a 44 and a half. I say 40, 38 and a half. 40 and a half. Wow. I was high. So that's what I mean. I, I think I, I'm thinking too highly of it. And I still like the under. Isn't it crazy that all we talk about is how the giants are playing way over their heads after 11 games they are sitting here at seven and four. And there's a real, real, real possibility that they finish in last place. I know that's a I testament think- to the division, but it's just funny. I honestly think if the Giants don't go ahead and win this game this week, they don't win another game on their schedule. I think that could very well happen. Yeah, and and again, we we don't really we try and go against looking ahead because we we get predictive. But in this situation, you kind of have to look ahead. Like, where are these wins coming from? Right? They play the Commanders at home this week. Then they play the Eagles at home next week. And they then they go to the Commanders to the Vikings. Those are two very tough games if they happen this week. Uh, yeah. Obviously, look, they're going to be favorited one more time, and that's going to be the Indianapolis game. Yeah. I don't even think that that's a good. It's the Jeff Saturday Colts. That's another yeah. team that could turn it around, just like the just like the Commanders did. And I'll tell you this, and I say this all the time, but it, it just it just is never false. There's a big difference between being seven and four and seven and five. Huge difference, right? Because yeah. oh, of course, you know that's just seven and five. You're one away. You're you know two law two weeks away from being five hundred. And you know, in the Giants season, where what they start seven and one or six and one, mm-hmm. uh, they it's I don't know. I think that if you're a Giant fan, 
kind of like what we said about the Jets last week, obviously for different circumstances, but you got to be nervous going into this game because, you, like we said, it's it's almost like looking on the horizon where it's like the, the water's looking quite rough out there for the Giants. Yeah. I think the yeah. lack of playmakers is really going to start catching up to them now because you have Saquon Barkley and then you can rely on what Daniel Jones's legs, but uh, when it gets cold, you need running game. And if Saquon's getting run to the dirt every single play, how long are they going to have him? Yeah, well, and you're right. And I think that there's this side of Giant fans that'll say, I guess, I guess it's the same Giant fans that are against signing Barkley or maybe even against drafting Barkley. But what what do you guys say, Matt? I'll kick it to you first. The people that say that. Saquon Barkley is fizzling out right now. He, you know, he's getting tired. He was great in the beginning of the year. Last couple weeks just has not been the same guy. Um, maybe the extra rest after Thanksgiving helps him here. But uh, what say you? The, to you, does Saquon Barkley come off as a guy that's going to f- just fade? Or is this more of a testament of how the Giants are playing? Well, I, I think that there's been some tough matchups. Like, I mean, it's going to be tough to run all over the Cowboys anytime. Um, I, I mean, listen, I think he gets, I think this is a week where, and like you said, it's it's not a quarterback duel here. I, I think this is a week where he's, you know, back around a hundred yards on the ground, a touchdown. I think it's going to be one of those kinds of games. I mean, I don't think he's fizzling out. It's just, you know, matchups are tough. Say it with your chest, give him two touchdowns this week. No, no. I don't know that the Giants are going to score two touchdowns this week. That's, that's a fair point. And Bobby, well, I like kind of what you said too, a little bit about, you know, cold weather running game. Daniel Jones, he comes off – look, I'm, we I've had my gripe with him and kind of the way he plays and how he's more of a runner more so than an, like an agile athletic quarterback. But I don't remember seeing Daniel Jones running any read options this year. Or I mean, I'm sure he has, but in past years, I feel like they've used his legs a lot. And you, conventional thinking would lead you to believe that, you know, you don't have any outside wide receivers. Maybe your running back is getting a little bit tired and beat up. Why don't you let Daniel Jones run? Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. A lot of his runs this year have been like more like off script type plays. Mm-hmm. But you got to know too, like other defenses, they're doing the same thing that the Giants are doing preparing. Like they're gonna come into these games, know that they have no one on the outside, and they're gonna stack the box. They're gonna keep guys in to spy on Jones. Then they're gonna take those things away from them and make them beat them in the air. And so I guess the last thing, unless you guys had anything else to say about this game, the last thing I want to get is give me your pick because I think that this line is uh, is very telling, right? Because we always say that you get three points for being at home and the Giants are this, – this line is saying that Vegas believes that the Commanders are five points better than the Giants on a neutral surface. What say you? You go ahead, Bobby. As currently constituted, I would lay the points and take Washington. I'm going to do the same thing. And like honestly, said, I think I mean, I'm like going to do the, the same The lack too. of weapons is just, like, it, it is starting to catch up to them. And I just, I, I see them having a lot of trouble to move the ball against a, a pretty good commander defense. Yeah. And I think that this is, the last thing I'll say about this game is, I think that this is a game where you're going to see, like, I could foresee the Giants getting, like, booed in this game if they come out in the first half and you know put up three points and they're losing you know 17 to three at half with less than 100 yards of total offense because they just can't move the ball and you know maybe a drop here or there I could see this being a game where the Giants kind of get booed out of their own locker room or into their own locker room I should say um and you know uh, and with that being said I will lay the two points with the commanders 
Um, Let's see some adjustments this week at half, by the way. I don't want a repeat of Thursday. Yeah, that was bad. For I, sure. We, we, hint, we spoke about that a little bit on the, the recap episode of that week, but that's not a good look to come out of the locker no. room just as flat as that is. I don't know. Um, maybe they need like a spark quarterback, and that's going to lead me not into the Jets, as a lot of these twists and turns in the show have led us. I have a fraud or applaud solely based on one-hit wonder quarterbacks. Oh, nice. Look at him. The <laughs> present day uh, M. Night Shyamalan over here. So when you, whenever you guys are ready, I will present to you my fraud or applaud. All right, I think I'm right. So you said this is the category is one-hit wonder quarterbacks. Correct. Correct. And one-hit wonder can be used as a very loose term, meaning like not necessarily one play, not necessarily one game, could be one season, could be one season out of many bad ones. I'm not going to, you know, it, one hit wonder, just take it very loosely is what I'll say. Right. I'm coming off of a 3-0 week. Uh, Bobby's a newbie here. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to my be first Bobby. Time. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to get a beat on my own show. Bobby's first time. And I'm going to start with, so when I was making this list, I had, I've chose three. I had one that was, I think is pretty much pretty easy. One that's in the middle and one that like, if someone gets, I'll be pretty pretty stunned so let's start with the middle of the pack well it's a 50 50 chance i don't know that stunned would be the word <laughs> no I, if, if but if but if you can kind of pinpoint like what's going on here or what's not right about this i'll be stunned is what i'm gonna say so all right round one leads me into number one giant legend super bowl winner former first round pick by mcfeely's dad's own denver broncos tommy maddox he was in and out of the league for a few years and for four or five years, he landed himself in the Arena Football League, where he led the New Jersey Red Dogs to count him not one, not two, but 28 wins in his illustrious 61-game Arena Football League career. For those of you not good at math, 21 and 28 and 31 in that Arena Football League career. Later parlaying such an amazing feat into a second stint in the NFL in which he would shock the world, start the NFL, and win Comeback Player of the Year in his first year back. Fraud or applaud? Hmm. This is a good one. This is, I think, no, no, the, more, the more I say it, the better it is. Yeah, I thought, I thought that you were going to lead in with the easy one. I think this is tough. I just hmm. thought, you know, you're such a big Bronco guy that you might know this guy, you know. Hey, Dad, get in here! <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be funnier if... <laughs> If, like your dad said, Tommy Maddox, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> so I leave it to you guys. Are we frauding or applauding? Let's hear it. I'm going to go ahead and fraud this. Now you said he was a giant, yes? Um, Yes, he is a giant legend. Giant legend, yes. Um... But his real one-hit wonder here is him winning the comeback player of the year in his second stint in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you know what? Because as you were saying it, you kind of said something like, oh, as I'm saying this, it sounds more and more, whatever. It makes me think that you made it up and you were enjoying listening to yourself say it. So I'm going to fraud it as well. Double fraud, and that's an 0-2 for you guys. This is oh. very true. Really? <laughs> Unaware of the New Jersey Red Dogs at all. Lifetime New Jersey. And uh, yes, this is very true. Came back, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he won the Comeback Player of the Year. So off to a hot start. I'll give you guys a. Uh, I'll give you guys not the hardest one, but number two, 
1992, former Colts head coach Frank Reich makes a 32-point comeback in the third quarter of a playoff game, which he only started due to injury. And the next week, he also won. They were The Bills go on their way to the AFC Championship game, and Reich on his way to the bench, never to start for the Bills again, and only to start for a total of 20 games in his nine-year NFL career. Frank Reich, don't know how much you guys know about him. Is this story a fraud or a plaud? So there was a 34-point deficit. 32-point comeback in the playoffs. I feel like I don't think. I feel like this is a different quarterback. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not saying whether no, it's a okay. fraud or a flaw, but I wouldn't do something like that to you. I was thinking of the Doug Flutie game. No. 32 points in the playoffs. Uh, what are you thinking, Bobby? Um, I'm leaning fraud just because I feel like I would know this off the top of my head. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I would have heard about a 32-point yeah. playoff comeback. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna fraud it as well. I think I'm gonna fraud. Otherwise known as the choke was an NFL playoff game between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans, in which the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills gets hurt, leaves Frank Reich in, and leads them to a 41 to 38 comeback win, in which Frank Reich would never do anything else in the NFL other than that. This is a true story. That's We're good. doing well. Doing really well. Off to a hot start. I don't know if this means I'm well. good or you guys are bad. We'll take it to the end here. We're going to take it back to the late 80s with everyone's favorite, Icky oh, Woods. Cincinnati Bengals legend bursts onto the scene as a rookie, earning second-team All-Pro honors, all to be derailed by an ACL injury. The one-year wonder even had a dance named after him called the Icky Wicky further establishing his brand into becoming the first NFL player to invest in the classic lingerie football league, to which, fun fact, he also met his ex-wife. Icky Woods, fraud or applaud? Could you give me a, that was kind of long, just a, a quick like little overview of what that what you just said. So, late 80s, guy named Icky Woods, running back. Sorry, 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 quarterback. Icky Woods. Second team All Pro honors his rookie year, derailed by an ACL injury. Had the icky wicky dance, fraud or also known as the icky shuffle. Uh, also, also, yeah, some may call it the icky shuffle. So the, I'm just fraud or applauding whether it has stupid dance. <sighs> I like, feel like I would be familiar with the Lingerie Football League legend Icky Woods that side <laughs> of him. But part of me really wants this to be true. So I want to applaud it. But 0-3 is bad. 0-3 is a bad, bad look. look. For both of you, really. <laughs> I want to applaud it so bad because it's so dumb. It's so ridiculous, but, I feel like Sam didn't make it up. But yes, but I'm going to feel really dumb if I applaud it and Sam's like, there was never anyone named Icky Woods. No, his existence is definitely legitimate. I can okay. tell you that right now. Alright, okay. Uh... I don't want to get this wrong. I'm applauding. Um, the first two were applause. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fraud it then. I, I, I think you're. 
you're kind of the type of guy that would that would give us three true stories. I, I mean, uh, I'm gonna have fraud it, I guess. This is fraud. Although half, this, half this, there's there are parts of the story that is correct. Icky Woods does have a dance named the Icky Dance, or the Icky Wicky. However, he was not a quarterback; he was a running back. And the Laundry Football League and meeting his ex-wife in the Laundry Football League is just the fakest thing I've ever made up in my life. So that was just fabrication. Total fabrication. So, Bobby, you knew that this person existed and just didn't yes. know his position. They didn't want to corrupt him. All I knew was his existence and the icky shuffle. I was familiar with that and nothing else. And honestly, so I was just hoping it would exist. Honestly, when I made the list, I was hoping that someone would have that angle where it's like, oh, you know, I've heard of the icky wiki or whatever it is, or the icky shuffle. And, you know, yeah, you know what? Maybe this is true. Not even a quarterback. Yeah, not a great day for me, but a worse one for Bobby. So Yeah, and so with that, thank you very much, both of you. I think I will retain the uh, fraud or applauds until I am defeated by one of my opponents uh, for the further for the foreseeable future, I'll say. So okay. for the foreseeable future, do the Jets have their guy? Because I think if you ask half the Jet fans, they are already on their way to Canton, putting this guy in the Hall of Fame. And the other half uh, kind of just going out on a whim and going to say that Zach Wilson will find it. Where do you guys fall? You guys are have been all in about the Jets kind of all week, myself included, but I want to hear both of you guys' stance on where the Jets sit. Let's start with the quarterbacks because that's obviously the biggest storyline going into this game. Yeah, I mean, when you say do they have their guy, I mean, you know, I'm not – I wouldn't go that far. Um, but like we said, this is his uh, his job to lose until further notice. And I, I think this is this game in Minnesota is a game I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets won. I think the Jets could put up, you know, if they if they could fall in to like twenty four points, I think they could win this game. And we just watched the Patriots drop how many points on them uh, the other night. So um, their defense certainly isn't special. Justin Jefferson's going to be inevitable, but I mean, I mean, there's a guy named Sauce Gardner on the other side there, and I think they'll be able to limit it to some extent. I think the Jets have a chance to win this game. I'm not ready to give a pick yet, though. So the Jets, so. What do you guys say anything to the effect of, or I guess let me rephrase this question: Did last night tell you anything about the Jets? I don't think so. Think last, sorry, last last night meaning the Bills Patriots game. Sorry, I don't think that says anything about the Jets per se because you can you can play that game with every team in the league. The Jets beat the Bills; they lost two to the Patriots. You can go around the league; it's week to week, really. But with the Mike White thing, I just want to touch on that real quick. Um, I think the biggest thing Mike White can do is anything short of a Super Bowl run, I don't think he's coming back as the guy next year. I think if they go to the playoffs with Mike White, then they're going to bring in a veteran looking to start next year because they're going to say, we have a window here with above-average quarterback play and then look to get someone like Jimmy Garoppolo. You would have to bring someone else in with him. I agree. Or yeah. so. So now, would you say that they would bring someone else in with the sense that that person would get the job, or the sense yes, that that I, person I think would so. battle Mike White for the job? It's going to depend on what Mike White does down the stretch here. I think. And, yeah. and then I also just don't think it's not necessarily that it's not fair because look, if you're bad, you're bad, right? And Zach Wilson this year has been bad, but I don't think it's. I don't think you can. Rem- like write off Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback for the Jets in week one next year. I don't like part of me still believes that this front office 
still believes that he's the guy and he's just kind of hit a bump in the road. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this. Let's say Mike White plays well, right? Like maybe every week is not like the Bears game from last week. Let's say he plays well. Let's say the Jets lose 27-24 and put up three well, offensive touchdowns this week. Well, that's not where I was going. I, I just mean like let's say he plays okay, okay. good, good football. And, you know, you find yourself with a game or two left and you're mathematically eliminated. Do you put Zach Wilson back out there just because, I mean, you just want to see if he figured anything out? Do you do that? I would put him back in. Yeah, that, it's, that's an interesting question because I, I think that that would, that would almost tell more about what the Jets uh, are seeing than anything that they're doing now. Because now it's almost like the jury's out on really what they're looking for. Are they looking for their future quarterback or are they looking for just, you know, a guy that can get them into the playoffs this year? Maybe they deem Mike White is more ready now. Right. But I think if they that that were to ever arise and they went back to Zach Wilson, I think that just speaks highly of what they think Zach Wilson still can be. And that kind of like what I said about, you know, this is just a bump in the road for Zach Wilson. But at the same time, I don't th- like I think next year I'm, I'm a big proponent of having a quarterback battle. You know, I don't think that if you're in a team where you have like multiple quarterbacks or you can go different directions. I don't see anything wrong with, you know, having a guy earn a spot. But if we're, if what Bobby said is true and I kind of believe it to be, if Mike White truly plays well the rest of this season, if you're going to bring him back with a veteran, doesn't that just kind of mean you have to cut bait with Zach Wilson right then and there? I think it does. Cut bait for what? Like, what do you mean by that? Like release him? Yeah, well, no, maybe, you get a, maybe you get a fourth-round, fifth-round pick by some team that goes, I can fix him. But do you even want that? Like, wouldn't you rather – wouldn't a better approach be – because we, we said Mike White was a free agent, but wouldn't a better approach be, like, almost treat Zach Wilson – if you bring in a veteran quarterback, that's kind of what I'm going off of. Let Zach Wilson take his, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love spot for a little bit and play behind a veteran quarterback for a year or two and – you know, maybe develop him that way. Maybe that's what he needs. And I think that you can make the argument that maybe the on the field is not what Zach Wilson really needs. Maybe he needs more off the field help than on the field help. I think I'm more done with him than you are. I think that that's the disconnect. Probably. I would go out on a limb and say if this hypothetical universe does come to pass where they sign Mike White and sign another veteran, then that would really tell you what they think about Zach Wilson. Yeah, well, if they bring in, if they bring back or retain Mike White and get another quarterback, I'm, I'm going to say that they're done with Zach Wilson too. Yeah. But at this point in the Jets, I guess, uh, timeline, I don't think that they're, they've that was like their final straw. And if he's not going to play again this year, even if the Jets go 500 the rest of the year and get you know bounced in the first round of the playoffs or whatever, I still don't think that they're done with him. I don't think that – like I think they would go into the offseason saying – you know, we're not going to trade him. Like, we're going to try and fix him rather than we're going to try and move him. Well, it's all moot because it really depends on what – sorry, Bobby. It really, like we said before, it really depends on what Mike White is actually going to put up here for the Jets the next couple weeks. That's really, like, we're going to have a better understanding of their course by the end of the season. Go ahead, Bobby. Uh, I I agree with that. Just I don't foresee, like, a universe where – Mike White comes out and throws four picks a game like he did last year against the Bills. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle, maybe two touchdown pace per game. And then you'll see if 
you, like I said earlier, if you can get it into the playoffs with slightly above average quarterback play, then you really have to look at Wilson in the offseason, see if he makes a stride, and then if not, go out and get someone or stick with White if you really like him. But Yeah, and so Michael Carter looking doubtful to play on Sunday as well. That's a big hit yeah. because I think that – I don't think it's crazy to even say that. He's like the – he's their like kind of gadget player as well as just like can do everything sort of guy. You know, you give it to him between the tackles. You can sweep him outside the tackles, throw him a little screen on the outside, swing pass – He's just kind of like a comfort piece for the Jets quarterbacks, I think. And I think the way Mike White was playing last week, it was really useful to have a guy like Michael Carter there for, I guess, your first start the season. More bad night, baby. Yeah, and that's – now, I guess the, now they're on the running backs. What do you guys have to – or how do you guys feel about this James Robinson stuff? Because I'm seeing a lot of Knicks and Cam Reddish with James Robinson. It's a little weird. I think he's kind of shot, honestly. I don't think James really? Robinson has much longer. Yeah, I don't think he has much longer in the NFL. After the knee injury, that's such a hard injury for especially like a running back to come back from. I, he, I, yeah. It's weird like for me to say because I've watched a lot of James Robinson because I had him in fantasy the past two years, and he just doesn't look like the same player. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about the fact that like he was not getting many touches – uh, towards the end there in Jacksonville. But we were no. just excited to have him because we were so devastated by the Brees Hall injury. Yeah, I think everyone was very uh, quick to say that that was a fleece by Joe Douglas. But like, yeah. it's, it's really going to turn into like a nothing move. Yeah, it's, I mean, unless like, what was it a fifth or sixth round pick they gave up? It was a fifth round pick that they gave up the, from the Texans that they got for trading Blake Cashman to the so they traded Blake Cashman for James Robinson. James Robinson. So it's really like a mute point. Yeah, that's a yawn if I've ever seen one. So the line here, right? We always talk about where we... It's a crazy line. Actually, before I get into the line, because it is a little strange to me, do, how do the Jets win this game? Give me the blueprint. Give me the final score. And give me like maybe one solid performance you'd, you can see that the Jets will win this game. Either of you Yeah, I, I kind of... I kind of jumped the, the gun there, and I, I sort of gave uh, half of my, my blueprint for the Jets. So uh, you, you take the floor, Bobby. Uh, you said Sauce Gardner earlier. Um, I really think that the whole Sauce versus Justin Jefferson thing is getting a little blown out of proportion because the Jets like mainly like play like zone on like first and second down, and then if it's short yardage, they'll switch to man on third. Even in the NFL, but, though, like as the, in the NFL as a whole, it's very rare you see like someone yeah. follow someone yeah. around completely. Yeah, so, those days are kind of gone. Yeah, continue. I think it's going to be a big day. For, if the Jets are going to win, they're going to win up front, and the defensive line is going to have to show up. Sheldon Rankins is going to play this week. He's he's coming back for the first game, I think, since Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, Quinton kind of slowed down when they lost him, so we'll, hopefully that opens things back up. For the entire defensive line, and no Christian Darisaw for the Vikings. Yeah, um, their, their offensive line. I'm looking at the injuries right now. A couple guys out for the Vikings. Uh, I obviously we mentioned Michael Carter for the Jets, but Vikings have given up 30 plus points in four of their last five. Yeah, their defense yeah. is not special. Suspect. Yeah, and and but they have the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL. And here's the here and here's the thing: is that a good thing for the Jets or a bad thing? And the, what I'm asking by that is. Do the Jets see that and say we're going to have Mike White throw the ball, or are we going to? Are they going to see that and say, no, we're going to stick to our game plan? Maybe Zonovan Knight gets in there. Ty Johnson, uh, like I said last week, I was totally wrong on it last week, but I thought last week they were going to go very run heavy. 
what is their offensive game plan here? Do you think they attack a weak secondary with a with their I guess backup quarterback? Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say when you say stick to the game plan. I mean, the second that they made the quarterback switch, the the game plan changed, and they they let him open it up. I don't see why they wouldn't do that again. Yeah, I think they opened up the playbook like insane, insanely last week. Like we saw them thrown out of empty. Like I hadn't seen. I don't think I've seen much of that with Zach Wilson the entire year. Like Matt said, I think the game plan like showed itself last week. They want to be able to stay ahead of the chains, whether that's throwing or running. So, so then yeah. I think the Jets match up very well this week. I'm very confident. Yeah, I think like are you guys both on the same page as me? Where like this is a very winnable game, and Vegas is on the same page as me. I mean. They're, yeah, that's they're, they're getting three on the road. So it's basically even. I, I, I'm i on the Vikings. I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I think no, that the – Now I, is that for the game or just for the line? Line and game, to be honest. I'm not saying I disagree. I just – like, this isn't a game that I'd be surprised if the Jets were able to just control it and come out with a win. I, I wouldn't be – see, I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if the Jets won this game, to be honest. Going to Minnesota – a team that, you know, really hasn't looked special in, I guess, three straight games, maybe even four straight games you can make the argument in. This is a game where they, they probably, like we always say about the Jets and Giants, looked ahead on their schedule and said the Jets is a win, and now they're going to find themselves in a situation, yeah, they're 9-2, and two, and they sure, they can afford to lose this game. Maybe the hungrier dog comes in with the Jets. Right. But I think that I'm going to side with you are what your record says you are, and they're nine and two, regardless of what the scores were. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a page out of your book and I'm gonna ride that hungry dog thing because I mean, look at the NFC North. The the Vikings have nothing to worry about. The Jets the Jets have to win some games, especially when you look ahead and there's Buffalo on the schedule. I think Detroit might even be tough. Like Bobby said, I think they match up well. I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't pick Minnesota and we'll give picks in a minute, but I I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be stunned if the Jets won. I I just don't feel that way about this game. Well, what do you say about maybe the Vikings wanting to just get that one seed or solidify a one seed? I was going to say that. Because, you know, quite frankly, the two number one teams in the NFC, the Eagles and the Vikings, I think there's been some question marks that have come up in the last couple weeks with both teams. I think the top three teams in the NFC all have that question mark. You throw the 49ers in there. They all have something you can point to. I mean, that's valid, but I mean, when we say hungry or dog, it's, it has to be the Jets. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, but it could I could also make the argument that maybe the Jets feel a little relaxed now because maybe they see the Bills a little out of reach and the division's out of reach, and they don't really have to sweat to have the Patriots on their back that much anymore because there's still a game ahead of them now with their loss last night. Chargers are right there, though. The, char- the, yeah, char- the, whole, yeah. AFC, the whole bottom of that AFC wildcard picture is right on top of each other. Right, yeah. it's, not, it's not like the Jets like are a lock to get in. I'd almost yeah. guess that they wouldn't. I think they have like a – like a 40% chance to get in after last night I saw from like ESPN or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at it now and I'm looking at the slate and we'll, I guess we can get right into this, Bobby, if you had time, uh, yeah, you had time to go around the league. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So we'll just go right around the league from there because real quick, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and pick the jets. Oh, sorry. Picks. What about you, Bob? <laughs> I got the jets. I'll, I'll, uh, Nothing less. Wow. And I, I would say, you know, take your jet hat off, but Bobby really does have a jet hat on. I don't want to ask him to do that. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Look, I'm a jet fan, but at the same time, I just, Jeez. I just think that the, the talent on the Vikings is just 
that much better than the, we got two jet hats on now. <laughs> no video aspect to this podcast just yet. Soon come. I unfortunately don't have any Vikings uh, merch around me right now, but we can get that by the end of the episode potentially. I'm going to go with the Vikings, both spread and to win the game, of course. Um, I just think that they're the better team. I think maybe the Mike – I think I'm of the team that Mike White, uh, anyone would have beat the Bears last week uh, quarterback-wise on the Jets. I think losing Michael Carter is going to be huge this week on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't see the way that – not that I don't see the way the Jets could win this game, but uh, I would be leaning more towards the stun side if the Jets pulled up a win against the 9-2 Vikings in Minnesota with their backup quarterback. Just – all names and stats aside, that would just be stunning to me. All right, let's get around the league because, you know, uh, pizzas don't deliver themselves, right, Bobby? Yeah. they got to get this no, guy out of here. Not yet, at least, they don't. So, let's go. Yeah. yeah, that's also in the works. So, let's go around the league. We kind of already dipped our toes into it in uh, talking some uh, talking some standings. We already covered our locals. So, let's start with the first game of the day. Uh, I have Steelers, the 4-7 and seven Steelers, heading to the Atlanta Falcons, who are 5-7 and seven in Honestly, what might be my might not put it on for a mini game of the day. There's two teams that are just lost in the sauce. It's a pick 'em. Um, I don't even really need to spend too much time in this game. I'm just going to go with the with the better coach here, and I'll go with the Steelers. I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm going Steelers. I like what I've seen from Pickett the past few weeks. Me too. He's been playing well, and Pickett yeah. and Pickens are looking pretty good. Their defense is getting healthier. I think like if you could if you could double the NFL season. I think the Steelers might be good in the second half of that NFL season. You know, I think they're they're kind of hitting their stride, but maybe like a day late, a short. Yeah, no, their defense is good. I don't think there's any question about how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. Uh, I I like the Steelers there. So two to one there, Steelers to Falcons. Next game, McPhilly's favorite four and eight team in the league, the Green Bay Packers head to Chicago to face the Justin Fields led, confirmed, and healthy three and nine Bears. Green Bay giving three on the road. McFeely, since it's your favorite team, the floor is yours. Um, I mean, he, he told us last season, um, as bad as the Packers have been, as questionable as Aaron Rodgers has been, he is the owner of that franchise. I think Green Bay hasn't looked terrible the last couple weeks. I mean, listen, they weren't going to go into Philly and win, especially after Rodgers goes down. And by the way, Jordan Love didn't look horrible. Um, yeah, I'm just going to – I'm just going to – I'm going to side with Green Bay just because that's just what history shows me. They get up for the Bears, and they just demolish them. So, As a guest on the podcast, I don't know if I have a sniff, but it, this would be my sniff. I would take the Bears here. I think Justin Fields might hang 40 on this defense. They look like what just watching the Packers the past few weeks, they've looked like they gave up. They quit. Their defense is atrocious. Yeah. The, the, play, the play in this game is the over. I don't have it in front of me, but – I agree with I you. Think this 44 and a half. Be, oh, my goodness. Bet that house better the year right there. Um, I think, look, I think Aaron, this is going to be a pride game for Aaron Rodgers. He's come out and said, you know, I own you, blah, blah, blah. And But I think that Justin Fields is no joke, right? You know, he's, he's a little hurt, a little banged up. But I think that both these teams are good offenses with bad defenses, or at least somewhat good offenses. And I think I like... I'm going to stick with the Packers on the game line, uh, giving three just because I think they win the game. But I love that over. 44 and a half, give me. I, I take it at 50. So right. let's go to the next game. Uh, another really some, some good games this week and then some really big stinkers this week. 
The Jaguars, the 4-7 Jaguars, head to Detroit and face the 4-7 Lions. Lions giving one. These are two teams, again, just like I said about the Steelers. If you're able to double the NFL season, they might be good in that second half of the season because they're, they're playing some decent football. The Lions just hung with the Bills on Thanksgiving, and the Jaguars just upset the Ravens last week. So... I'm gonna. I'll just say it here, and I, I'm gonna do it again. And I can't believe I'm doing it again. I'm gonna take the Jaguars again, two weeks in a row. Devout, well, devout Trevor Lawrence hater over here, taking him two weeks in a row. Uh, they're in Detroit. I think Detroit's a better team. I also, I don't know. I'm not too impressed with that uh, win over Baltimore. I feel like Baltimore's kind of, kind of shown some, some issues lately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Detroit. They're home. That over under is 51. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's a lot of points. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Detroit, but also I don't really want to talk about this game. Yeah, another one that's a stinker. I'm going to go ahead and take Detroit as well. Wow, okay, so double on Detroit here. What is that, just because they're the home team, that's kind of what you guys are saying? And I big think they're a little Campbell bit better. Guy. A big hard yeah. knocks people? Yeah. All right, so next game, this is a good one. Uh, this is one of the better ones on the entire slate this week. The 7-4 and four Titans head to the 10-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles. Philly's giving four and a half. I always get skeptical of teams that are overachieving playing a team with like a dominant run game because I feel like run games can be so demoralizing for teams where like, you know, sometimes you can get Derrick Henry in, in modes that you just can't stop the guy regardless of who's on defense. Give me the 86 Bears, he's still getting four or five yards a pop. Uh, so what I'm going to say to this game is, I think I like the Eagles to win, but I think I like the Titans to cover that four and a half in a close game. Um, in Philly, by the way, this is another over that I really like at a 44 and a half because both teams can score. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Philly. They're, they're better offensively. They're better defensively. They're the better team. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I just, I, I think I like Philly here. I kind of like the Titans just for the fact that uh, the Eagles are banged up up front, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They just brought in uh, Valpkin Sue and an, another defensive tackle that whose name is slipping me, but I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee. So Bobby and I in Tennessee, McFeely on the Eagles, a lot of you know back and forth this week. Next game, we have uh, the Denver Broncos, the 3-8 and eight Denver Broncos, McFeely's second favorite team, going against the Baltimore Ravens, which I don't know if you just hinted to your pick here, Ravens are giving nine no. and a half. No, I, I don't care. Um, I'm the number one uh, Russell Wilson hater on this planet. I hate the Broncos. I hate I hate everything about the Broncos right now. Uh, they have some injuries this week as well. I think KJ Hamler is not going to play. Um, yeah, I mean they they haven't shown me anything. Russell Wilson nine hasn't even shown half, me a though. flash. I don't care. They they should they should win that game by a, a pair of touchdowns. No, I, I I'm going to go with nine and a half too. I, I'm going to assume you're taking the nine and a half. In the sense, and my my angle on this is, uh, I think the Ravens are just mad about last week still, and they're just going to run it up on the on the Broncos and really just put the foot down on this whole, you know, Bronco let's ride country, whatever the hell Russell Wilson says. Um, so McFeely and I both on Ravens giving nine and a half. Bobby, where are you in this game? I'm laying the points as well. I'm taking the Ravens. Broncos Swept. are abysmal. So that, is that our first sweep? I believe it, it might be. Um, next game, another stinker. Actually, not really. The Browns, now led by Deshaun Watson, the four and seven Browns, head to play the Texans one nine and one. Uh, 
Cleveland's giving seven on the road. And the Texans are my sniff of the week because I give me give me like the last time a quarterback didn't play for a year and covered a seven point or more spread. Well, who's playing quarterback for Houston? Uh, Who cares? Honestly, it's more of a testament to the Browns being not good. That would be the great Kyle Allen, actually. Oh, my cousin. cousin. My cousin got to back him. I'm going to take not only the Texans to cover the seven points. They're my sniff of the week. I'm going to take them to win that game. I believe I saw their money line at plus 270 earlier on. I'm going to take them as well. Nice. To win or just the points? Well, Show I'm not going to take them to win now because I don't want to I don't want to copy your sniff. So, I'm just, that's just my pick. Okay. I'm taking the Browns to win the game, but I don't like laying the points. If I'm taking the spread, I'm taking the Texans. Very nice. That gives me some a little boat of confidence there. Uh, next game we're going to get into the four o'clock window here. Seattle heads to the Rams. Seattle six and five. Rams three and eight. I would argue that they're the biggest disappointment of the season. Uh, Rams are getting seven points here, and I'm going to give it. I think because I think the Rams are uh, a shit show, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I actually am. I don't want to say I'm surprised because like it's not like a touchdown's a small spread. But I mean, would you have been shocked if this was a nine and a half or ten point spread? I wouldn't have been. So um yeah I'm gonna lay it too give me uh give me Seattle Sharon Brain in in I'm Gino we Seattle trust the points yes sir yeah in, in isn't Gino it, isn't it funny that like like Gino was a, an abysmal quarterback in the NFL then he goes to Seattle and he's good Russell Wilson leaves Seattle and he's the worst <laughs> player I've ever seen in my entire life do we do we think there's anything to that um I think Nathaniel Hackett is a terrible coach. I, there. I think there's not only one thing that can go into that, but I think there's a lot of things that can go into that. Um, next game also could be there's a couple games in this four o'clock slate that are pretty pretty good. Dolphins, oh, yeah. the eight and three Dolphins, head to San Francisco and play the 49ers. 49ers are giving four points here. This is a game and a half. This is a fun yep. game. Yeah. Um, Bobby, I'll let you go first. I feel like you've gone last the last couple of times. Uh, the Dolphins, maybe one team that we're going to be, or definitely one team we got to root against as Jeff fans. But where do you fall in this game? Four, uh, sorry, the 49ers are giving four. This is a tough one for me because I actually do think that both of these teams right now are the best teams in both of their conferences. Wow, that's a big statement that's, for, that's for, strong. for both that sides. Strong. I think the Dolphins are like insane. That they're all, it went to it, to it, like got unlocked this year. I don't know what they did to him, but he's like really came into that pros- what we thought of him as a prospect, and now he's just showing it off in the NFL. Mike so if this game was if this if this game was Dolphins Chiefs and it was a pick'em, you would take Miami. I would take Miami. Wow, okay. I disagree with you. Wow, so you're I don't hate it. I think Miami is above the Bills, above the Chiefs, but I, just for the home cooking, I'm taking the Niners. Um. Gutless. That yeah, you you really like you lost me. On you that got one. me up. I was like, you know what? I respect this, and then he just goes the other way with it. That was nah, gross. I'm gonna go ahead and take the Niners. I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC. I so. hate when I get up and someone goes the other way. It's just miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna take the Dolphins plus four there. <laughs> uh, McFeely, do you give a pick here? No. Um. Uh, give me the Dolphins. When, okay, wow, Bobby, absolutely gutless. Might be your last appearance on the show. Uh, next game, another one that could be a contender for the uh, game of the day. The 9-2 and two Chiefs, the second best team in the AFC in Bobby's rankings, 
go to the Bengals, the seven and four Bengals. Chiefs are giving two. Um, that means they're five point five points better than the Bengals. And I think I agree. Uh, I think the Chiefs are uh, just absolutely just going to roll through the AFC. I just think they're clear cut better than everyone else besides the Bills. I'd say the Dolphins are definitely lurking up there behind them, but I think the Bills and the Chiefs are definitely going to meet. They're on a collision course right now for the AFC Championship game. Uh, give me the Chiefs laying the two. I think anytime you get the Chiefs under three points is an absolute gift from God. Yeah, they're they're just too high powered. Um, I, I like them laying the two points too. I mean, <clears throat> if we think they're going to win the game, then we're going to lay the two points, right? So that's exactly. where I'm going. Uh, Bobby, since you just listed um, like your top four teams in the AFC, what, what are the Bengals to you? Just gum on the bottom of your shoe? Where do they? Well, they'd be in? number four. I got. I would say the Dolphins and the Chiefs and the uh, and the Bills and then the Bengals. Wow. Okay. So are you gonna? So where are you sitting in this game? You're taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs and laying the points. All right. So we're all on Chiefs there. Next game, Chargers. Who right? Are they? Are they technically behind the Jets or right in front of the Jets? They're six behind the Jets. A game behind saw, the Jets yeah, currently. Duh, six and five. Chargers. Six Interesting and five. line here. Yeah. No. Definitely. Vegas giving yes. one. They go to the Las Vegas Raiders, who are four and seven. Vegas is giving one. Here's where my hungrier dog is going to come in. This game means so much more to the Chargers than it does the Raiders. Infinitely more. Give me the Chargers all day. I might take them twice on Sunday. I know it's a saying. I'm going to do it. All every day the, throughout the week, I'll bet them. And I'll bet them twice on Sunday. I like What's them the too, over-under I, on this game? 49 and a half. That's a lot of points. I feel like they hit it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's. I could see this being, you know, 31, 25. Yeah, I easily. like the Chargers too. I, I mean, you know, the Chargers have been a... Uh, Another team that's been somewhat of a disappointment here. But, I mean, the Raiders might, you know, they're one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL uh, this season. So, yeah, I like the Chargers for sure. I'll take the Raiders on this one. Ch- uh, Chargers are banged up. Wow. I th- yeah. I'm i going my hungrier dog. I'm taking the Chargers. Last game of Sunday. We have one more Monday night game. Last game of Sunday, the 4-7-1 and Jeff Saturday-led Colts head to Dallas to play the Cowboys, the 8-3 and Cowboys. Here's the thing. Cowboys are giving 10 and a half. And like on paper, you see eight and three, you see how well the Cowboys are doing, how high everyone is on the Cowboys. A 10 and a half is way too much, I think. It is. I, I, I think, think they're going to win by 10. No, I, look, I was very close to making this a sniff, just being honest. I, I think that the, the Colts are not as, especially when they're led by Matt Ryan, they're a mediocre team. And I think that. Yeah, the Cowboys might be playing a little bit over their head, and yes, they are definitely a good team. I just don't think the difference between these two teams is 10 points. I'm going to take the Colts with, with especially the 10 and a half. I'm going to take the Colts too, but I, I'm i not high on the Colts. I mean... I think they're mid. I think they're like a mediocre team when Matt Ryan's yeah. their quarterback. Michael Th- Pittman, they're gonna have trouble scoring. Paris Campbell, Jonathan Taylor. When their, O-line is, when their O-line is healthy, I mean, he's been, he's been not bad. Not bad, just being honest. Um, no, but I, I think they're going to have trouble scoring against Dallas. I mean, yeah, ten and a half is just too many points, though. So, uh, yeah, I like Dallas, especially at home. I, I mean, sorry, like I like the, I, sorry, okay. sorry. I like the Colts. I don't know why I just got my pick mixed up in my head there. But yeah, ten and a half points is a lot, but I, I think Dallas probably wins by about ten points. Bobby, I'll take the Cowboys and lay the points. I think the Cowboys are infinitely better than the Colts. Wow, are they so we're, the we're very team in the NFC. There. Yes, they are. I think. So you think the Cowboys are behind the 49ers? Yes, that's quite bold, my friend. I must say, I think uh, I think the, when I look at the, those two teams, I think that 
look, you could say whatever you want about Dak and say whatever you want about Jimmy G, but I just think they're, to me, the 49ers come off as a team that's like really, really good on paper. And then like, yeah, they'll give you these flashy plays and whatnot. But I think like they're going to struggle with the little plays. And I think like when things rely on Jimmy G, I think I have more faith in Dak than I do Jimmy G. And the Cowboys defense is better. But hey, that's just me. But I saw a stat where since week eight, the 49ers defense has not allowed a single point in the second half. And once they get once the Niners like actually fully get healthy, this offense is gonna go just watching them now when you have Christian McCaffrey, Debo on the same field, Ayuk. You don't know where the ball is going. And I think when you have give Shanahan all those weapons, he's shown that he could take an average quarterback like Jimmy G and make him an MVP. We did it with Matt Ryan. I think I think the Niners are set for a run. Yeah, I don't think it's super bold. I don't I don't hate that. So then the last game of the, the week, Monday night, the the four and eight Saints head to the five and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers giving three and a half here. This is a tough game. I think. Yeah. I think this, you is, know what? this is a perfect line. I do have Brady a sniff. never beats the Saints. I do have a sniff, and it's this game. Wow. Well, look at that. Yep. Sa- so you're, you're just like, obviously you like the Saints with the points, but walk me through that. What's going through your mind there? I just, the Buccaneers are just, I don't know, they're, they're kind of a dumpster fire. Like, would you be surprised if they lost this game by a field goal, like, at the end of the game, because they just can't get down the field? I mean, they're just... I don't know. They're, they're 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 not very good, and I don't think the Saints are as bad as people make them out to be. Oh, rest in peace, Drew Brees. By the way, yeah, big time. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> insane marketing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, don't get me started. Uh, I don't even know if I can legally venture on that half of the, this show. Uh, <laughs> but Bobby, did you give a pick here? What did you like? I did not. I'm gonna go ahead and take the Buccaneers, but it would be insane that if. If the Saints pull this one out and the Falcons go ahead and lose, there would be a three-way tie for the NFC South at five and seven. I love chaos. That's uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the chaos too, but I think I'm going to take the Bucks here. I just think, you know, th- this is a game where y- you cannot lose to the Saints, right? Like Andy Dolan is going to go into Tampa Bay on a Monday Night Football game and beat Tom Brady. I'll believe it when I see it, and if I lose my money because of that. I'm not saying I will bet on this game, but if that's the, if I lose because Andy Dalton heads into Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay and beats him, I might just retire from betting. I might even retire from the podcast. So I'll take the the Buccaneers minus three and a half there. So, well, I mean, who who just beat him last week? Um, I forget the name. Jacoby Brissett just beat him last week. So, well, yeah, but like I feel like Jacoby Brissett is like. I don't know. I see Andy Dalton, and I see just a, a burger. I don't know how else to say it. Like he just a, a walking interception. Yeah. To me, and I, I even That's even fair. Alvin Kamara was. I don't think he's even like a hundred percent yet. Um, I think they're the Saints are a little banged up as well here. I mean, to be honest, we've said that about every game, but I think every team's banged up. If you if you know you don't get to week thirteen, if you're in week thirteen fully healthy, you're probably you know thinking about the playoffs already. Yeah. So. Uh, I think if the Bucks win, it's by a field goal. So the, the half point scares me there. So that yeah, that hook. Okay. Well, look, I think we had a lot of uh, definitely a lot of tight games this week. I was I know I was looking at the slate before this week, and I just thought, you know, there, there were some definitely some upset potentials and definitely some games that I had to think about and kind of dig into some stats. So uh, I think our picks kind of are a testament to that in that we have a lot of back and forth here. 
Um, but again, uh, anything else you guys wanted to add to this NFL slate before we start to wrap it up? I don't think so. No, Bobby? I'm good. I'm good. All good. So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Bobby, thanks for sticking around. I'm now sitting here staring at two jet hats as I just picked the Vikings. So that's going to lead go, me Jets. into my weekend. Hopefully this leads you into your great weekend. And as always, thanks for listening. Go Jets, baby.